What's up, everybody? My name is Billy Boozer, and uh, welcome to the Everyday Hustle podcast. This is episode, I think, three now, uh, which is super exciting because we're past the first two episodes. Like, hey, can we get people to actually have conversations about these things? And I'm really excited about my guest today. Matt Thomas is, uh, he's been a friend for a while. Uh, We've known each other for a good bit. He's got one of the coolest stories that is literally like a global story. And I'm I'm not going to spoil anything, but to give you guys a bit of reference about what we talk about here on the Everyday Hustle podcast, we talk about people that have hustled throughout their life, had businesses that they started. The goal is to help others get past those moments in life that are, are difficult when you're starting a business and help people learn from other people so that they don't have to make those same mistakes. So sometimes we talk to lawyers and it's very serious about the things we talk about. And then sometimes it's inspirational, like with Matt's story. He talks about all of these crazy things that he's done throughout life. And I can't wait to share those experiences with you guys. Matt, give me a bit of an intro to who you are and what you do. Thanks, Billy. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to be on the show and be sharing some of my, my story. So when people ask what I do, I say I'm an entrepreneur in the health and wellness space. That's intentionally really broad. Prior to the show, we were talking a little bit about side hustles. I feel like I've been side hustling my my whole life my whole career is 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 just cobbled together side hustles yeah. um but currently what what I'm up to is uh I, I have a fitness concept called fight and flow uh which is an education based model we certify personal trainers and gyms to teach full body weight workout with martial arts and yoga and then I have a virtual wellness company that services, uh, re- remote workforces for five to 15 minute workday wellness breaks. Dude, that's super cool. Uh, I, as long as I've known you, you've been into this like fitness and keeping your body in shape so that your mind can continue to be prosperous and continue to move forward. Tell me about like how you started down that route, because like you're like one of the most fit people I know in the in the entire world. I know that story expands to boxing and all these other crazy things. What was the genesis of when you started really wanting to focus on body, you know, leading to you know, mental health? Yeah. So it, it's, it's like anything, it's a balance between nature and nurture. So both my parents were college athletes. They met in college. Uh, they got married young. I was an accident. Uh, and then they divorced when I was nine months old. So I, I was raised predominantly by a single mother okay. uh, who had a job and had me in after school care. After school care took the form of chess club, martial arts, and and sports. It was pretty much woven into, as my mind was developing with school, my discipline was developing with martial arts, my visualization or pattern recognition was developing with chess, and my camaraderie, col- collaboration, competition was developing with sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way that I, I think is is pretty typical for for kids at a young age, uh, but but maybe mine was a little bit exacerbated by you know being raised by a single mom and having a, a lot of time after school to to fill. It's interesting to to look back at my life in retrospect and realize that those seeds planted really early on really blossomed into what I'm doing with my life now. Look at fight and flow. It's it's basic martial arts with yoga. Uh, you, you look at chess boxing, the, the thing that I'm uh, I'm really passionate about. I guess my my hobby turned side hustle career. Um, and I was, you know, doing martial arts and chess from a young age. Uh, and, and then you look at, you know, sports and, 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 and collaboration, competition kind of stuff. I mean, I, I feel like business is, is just a different version of that, especially when you're working in the health and wellness space. So it started young. I have good genetics for my parents uh, when it comes to just bone density, muscle mass, uh, you know, models for, for staying in shape and, and, and looking after health. 
Uh, but I think I doubled down on that and, uh, and realized fairly early on that we get one body, we get one mind and our potential is, is, is correlated with how, how much we let ourselves step into that potential with our mind, body, spirit. So the more that we can focus on our own personal well-being, the more we can maximize our our potential or the potential that we can execute and uh, and the more we can serve the world as a result. There's, there's so many cool lessons in that. Like life is not a straight line, uh, but there's also things that we pick up along the way that uh, lead us to the moments that we are at. Those stories of, you know, how I got here, what are the accumulation of events that led me to this moment in my life? Um, is something that I've been, you know, very fairly introspective about lately, just because, you know, I've been through so many crazy experiences and built so much fun stuff, but you never know whether, you know, along that way, one of those things that you picked up is going to be applicable to the thing you're working on now. It's also one of those things that's actually difficult to traverse, right? Your history, like how, how does that apply to today? So you, you talked about earlier, you have been in this feeling as though it's a perpetual state of side hustle your entire life. What was your first like entrepreneurial endeavor? Ever. Yeah, it was in, in elementary school, I had I had two uh, sort of businesses. I, one, I, I would raid the, the classroom supply closet for <laughs> the, the packs of staples. Yeah. And I would have them under my desk and I, I would unclamp them and, and or like I would separate them and then clamp them together into rings, bracelets and necklaces. Oh, that's super uh, cool. so like like half my grade whoa, whoa, <laughs> at, at some point were wearing staple jewelry. Yeah, made by that's Matt. super cool. So, yeah, very low overhead because I, yeah. I was stealing. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, sometimes it was barter system. I would trade for, you know, other kind of knickknacks and, and yeah. sometimes it was money. And, you know, there are prices according to what what type of jewelry you're buying. And yeah, I figured and that, out how to get what like, you what, what you want to buy next, right? Like when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to price this thing based on what I want to get out of this next thing. Yeah, uh, my 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 kind of like first side hustle in middle school, really. Well, I had one before that where I wrote a uh, like a so small short story when I was a kid. In our school, we had this program where you could they would publish a book for you. And it was like it was fake publishing. It was really just GBC binding and you know some lamination and stuff. But then as a part of that, they would produce those for you and. And then if you could get some of those pre-sold to family members, then you would, you know, be able to begin to sell a few of them. And I think I sold maybe 30 of them when I was a kid at like three bucks a pop or something like that. And it was all family just, you know, you know, encouraging me to be have agency, you know, feel as though there was value in the things that I created. And then uh, when I was in middle school, my real like two good side hustles were selling candy out of my locker. I was, you know, we would go to Sam's club and I was like, man, that bubbleicious man, they're, they're selling it for like two bucks or a buck at the, uh, at the concession stand and they're getting it for nothing. So like the economics begin to make sense. And then I wasn't really like a gamer per se when I was a kid. I, I re really was focused on sports, but I would see kids pick up Magic the Gathering card. Then they would hold them with value. And then I got a little, you know, I bought a couple from a friend from with my gum money or my candy money. And then a couple more worth a decent amount of money. I had like a three-headed dragon or something like that, that, a blue dragon that ended up being worth like 60 bucks back in the day. I was like, I've got to keep doing this. So I uh, just started selling them. And I, I, I think I told this, story the other day i don't think i ever played one game or like one actually match of uh, magic the gathering but i definitely sold maybe you know a few hundred cards when i was a kid doing that along the way i'm sure there have been 
you know, missteps or difficult times. Tell me about one of those difficult times that you've run through being an entrepreneur, because just like we said a minute ago, it's not, it's not as linear as people hope it is. Uh, it takes longer than we expect it. And I know through my life, I've started many businesses to this point and many more of them have failed than have been successful. Right. So like, tell me about, you know, one of those moments in time where it was difficult and what you did to get past that. I guess for context, uh, we, we know each other through Atlanta Tech Village, so yep. a, a, a startup community, mainly focused on, on I'd say, B2B SaaS, uh, gross, most of the yeah. companies where, where I where I was when we met was Sales Loft. I was a 22nd employee at Sales Loft. I left Sales Loft to join Rody. Uh, I was seventh employee at Rody. Both had big exits uh, last year. Yep. And... I, I never joined either one of those companies expecting to to hitch my wagon to their horse and and ride off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. I, I I joined those to learn from accomplished entrepreneurs and and have a a safety net. Like you know, while I learned what it what it took to build a startup, uh, you know those well funded, you know on the right track kind of uh, companies could, could up into the right some companies yeah some 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 guardrails when i first left i uh I, I decided to travel for a while and and so i lived abroad for a year my, my home base was costa rica but i went to 35 countries while i was doing this i was i was building instagram accounts was like my main uh source of of income while while doing digital marketing it was a ton of work, uh, and and less so on the building the Instagram account side, and more so on the the client relationship management side mm-hmm. uh, of just you know you're you're dealing with one person that's trying to grow grow their personal brand that is one account that's paying month to month, and you need a hundred of them to be a, a viable business. You aren't dealing with companies that can you know pay a big budget. You're you're dealing with individuals that are investing in no personal brand. So I was good at sales <laughs> and not as good at uh, maintaining the the accounts and the relationships. Uh, th- there's this convergence of Instagram changing their platform and, yeah, and, yeah. and their algorithm mm-hmm. at the same time that I kind of had a critical mass of clients uh, and was spread super thin. And, and I reached a uh, like a near breaking point where it, it was my first like uh, exit by uh, like necessity or or yeah. urgency because uh, I was like my mental health is suffering. I hate doing this now, uh, and I needed to find someone else that was doing this that wanted my client list that had a better infrastructure and wanted to continue working within Instagram's little world and uh, and, and was lucky enough to 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 find that. But there were about three months there where I was like hating my life every day, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to grow these things and deal with these people and maintain some sort of income while I was abroad. And I think the the most clear and powerful lessons that I've learned are through experiences like that, the, the ones that kind of hurt. You know, my my background is martial arts and, and specifically boxing. It's like you you don't learn by hitting a, a heavy bag. It's a good place to get reps. You you learn by sparring. You learn by getting yeah. cracked. Mm-hmm. And being like, oh, you know, I I lower my my uh, rear hand when I throw a jab, and that's why they landed that that lead hook. Yeah. Uh, and and same with you know, same with this is you know, in that business, I was trying to do everything. I was trying to be all things to all people. I was spread super thin. Uh, I was making decent money, and I was good at what I was. I, I was what the business was built around. But everything tangential, I, I needed to learn how to to lead and how to delegate. 
uh, for things that that either uh, sapped my energy or things that I, I wasn't great at, uh, which yeah. is a lot. Uh, so I, I think that was an important stepping stone in, in understanding, hey, I you know, teams are better than individuals and I need to learn how to be a part of a team. Every time you uh, talk, there's like eight lessons in there. Uh, like, it, and like, so it reminds me of earlier when you were talking about, you know, bone density and, and the way you're built, right? Is the concept of leaning into your strengths versus leaning into your weaknesses. And in that moment, it sounds like when you were doing these social media businesses or, or these Instagram accounts, building in this walled garden where you know, someone else actually controls some of the outcomes of your, your your business, you found a weakness or a thing that you don't want to dive in, right? Like a, a place where you don't want to be. It's that old uh, fake Thomas Edison thing, 10,000 ways not to invent a light bulb. Or, was that Benjamin Franklin? I, I can't remember. One or the other. That moment in which you realize this is not not for me. How do I do something different that actually plays towards my strengths versus me trying to build up a strength out of a weakness? I think most people that are successful figure out how to live in their strengths as high frequency as they possibly can versus uh, constantly trying to battle against the things that they are weak in. It takes a lot of self-awareness to take that moment and say, hey, this isn't the thing that I need to do. But also, you know, I think in there, there's a force mechanic as well. And sometimes we discount the force mechanics that say, hey, this is not the business I want to be in because it's not going in the direction because someone else controls my destiny, right? I think most really great entrepreneurs, just like yourself, really figure out what those strengths are and then dive directly into them. Tell me about like the the current things you're working on because like those are ridiculously interesting. Uh, the health and wellness as well as the the chess streaming, like that one's super cool to me. So tell me about those things. I always feel like an insane person when I when I describe like projects I have going on or, or my day to day. So I, I'll preface it with, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this might be a little spread out, but <laughs> going into the pandemic, I was planning like eight to 10 events a year. Uh, so I transitioned out of that Instagram business into event planning. Cause I could do that from anywhere. I just had to show up, you know, the week of, or sometimes the day of the event in the place where the event was in order to execute it. And then I could go about my my merry way. Um, COVID shut that down. Um, so I had a lot of uh, bandwidth and and almost like a reset button got got hit on my life. Uh, the, the only event that kind of stuck around was uh, my, my nonprofit called Brawl for a Cause. We do charity boxing events for first time fighters uh, to take a punch for, for something that they personally believe in. So they choose a charity, we train them, they fundraise, everyone that donates gets to watch them uh, you know, get a black eye for for something that they they really care about. And so I'll be doing that for the rest of my life. But I have an incredible board, a group of volunteers, a great network in Atlanta of boxing gyms and sponsors and everything that that is running and, and requires some of my, uh, you know, time, energy, resources, but way less than, you know, throughout my 20s when we were building up that community in that event. Yeah. So during COVID, I was able to kind of look at uh, myself uh, and exercise uh, some of the self-awareness that you're talking about, which I think is one of the most important things to develop early in life. I had time and space and, and you know, a ton of downtime like everyone else did to, to really assess like, okay, what's next? And, and this came after uh, periods of, you know, B2B, SaaS, high pace, you know, if you, if you know, Kyle Porter and, and, and <laughs> Rob Foreman and, and Tim Dorr at, at Salesoft, yeah. it's like, you know, they are, uh, they're maximizers, you know, high energy systems, the whole deal. I was like, okay, that's not that, you know, I learned a lot from that, but that's not really me. 
Yeah. Rhodey was like uh like storytelling, marketing, raise a bunch of money, hope it works. Uh and it did work. And I was like, okay, is that me? Like, do I want to be beholden to a bunch of uh, you know, VCs or investors? Probably not. You know, I, I like the bootstrap lifestyle business kind of kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then so I, I just looked inward. It's like, what am I passionate about? And I'm I'm really passionate about taking care of myself and taking care of others in, in the same way. And and so mindfulness and movement is what stood out most in that. And I I found a partner uh, who had a, a corporate wellness business that she needed to transition to the digital sphere. So we 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 uh, took about half of her book of business and started a new uh, a new company together called Wellfests that uh, that that basically figured out how to how to bring her legacy corporate wellness offerings. Uh, into a COVID work from home kind of environment. Yeah, and and what we settled on was was hiring a bunch of out of work yoga teachers, which I, I've been you know I got my 200 hour yoga teacher training in 2019 through Lululemon, uh, and and had 50 people go through that program with me, some of whom were full time yoga teachers that had zero work. So I was able to hire a bunch of my friends, uh, figure out how to lead virtual wellness sessions in a way that was. Uh, engaging and and kept people coming back and built up the skill set for uh, virtual facilitation, which uh, ended up being extremely valuable because the pandemic lasted, lasted a lot longer than everyone kind of thought it was going to last. Yeah. And um, we launched in April. First clients were being served in May 2020. And through the pandemic, we we scaled from, uh, you know, from United States to, to Western Hemisphere to, to Europe started offering different languages and uh, and have a decent little lifestyle business B2B SaaS kind of uh, thing going that uh, eventually I reached the same kind of point where I was like, I'm starting to do the same thing every day. I'm doing a lot of things that I, I don't feel like tailor made for and, and where I'm strongest. And so I, I reached this point where I was like, I need to take a step back. Uh, dilute some of my equity, find another operator to take, you know, some of the responsibilities that I was doing. Uh, and, and my partner was totally understanding and, and, uh, and it's still running without my day-to-day involvement. And that cleared up bandwidth to be able to start uh, building what I, what I am super passionate about and, and think I'll be doing for the rest of my life, which is fight and flow, uh, which is, is a fitness concept combining martial arts and yoga for a bodyweight workout that can be done anywhere without equipment. Uh, also born from this COVID idea of not everyone has a completely built out home gym that yeah. they can go in and, and have a squat rack and a bench press. And even if they did, is that the optimal way to take care of yourself for longevity, mm-hmm. for for middle to older aged uh, people being pain free, not uh, joining bodybuilding competitions? And, uh, and and so through uh, a couple one-on-one clients and through a, a litany of, of advisors from both the martial arts world and the, the yoga world, we, we built a, a bodyweight fitness concept that uh, we, we certify personal trainers, we partner with gyms, and we found a really good niche in, in combat sport gyms that don't have recovery programs. So, you know, if you go down the street to, uh, to, to an MMA gym, to a boxing gym, if they even have a recovery program, they're usually shipping in a yoga teacher from down the street that isn't already a part of their community, doesn't speak their language. And, uh, and it's, it's usually the least attended class. What we want to do is disrupt that, that model. So you, you don't have to bring someone from the outside. We can train your existing trainers on how to lead 
a fight and flow style recovery class. Um, these gyms play, pay a license, a uh, month to month license to, to, uh, to have our brand, to have our class structure, to have our training resources and to get a discount on certifying their trainers to lead the classes. And, uh, and then we help market them uh, as our partners in, uh, in whatever city, whatever market that, that they're in. So we're, uh, we're live in seven gyms in, in Atlanta and we launched our first gym in New York city two weeks ago. Uh, oh, so that's it's, awesome. it's still relatively early days, but it, it is the perfect lifestyle business for me. Mm-hmm. I, I love to be on the, on the move. I love connecting with like-minded people that are into martial arts and yoga. So as we continue to build this tribe, I'm going to be around the types of people that I love being around. I'm going to be able to go to cities, write everything off for the travel, for the workshop, for the certification, for the retreat. And, uh, and that seems like a great way to live the rest of my life. Uh, yeah. so it's, you know, in tandem with the other kind of more opportunistic side hustles that, that come up kind of like well-fested during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that and brawl for calls will kind of be my mainstay, my, uh, my, my primary path. That's awesome. Something that's interesting there that you mentioned was your business being able to support the things you're passionate about and also be able to not, not even directly compensate you, meaning like, you know, making money off of it, but also fund the movement of it. Right. One of the things I love about my business or the businesses that I've started over time is it enabled me to travel to different places, meet new people. And because those, those individual instances are just operating expenses in the business, right? You know, we're going, somewhere to to actually promote the business but along the way I get to meet new people learn new things from people that are way smarter than I am and I get the business to fund that thing that I'm doing so I mean I think that's that's like a really beautiful aspect of it something that's kind of like a recurring theme I guess from what you're saying uh, about each one of the businesses you started was it seems like a lot of them have gotten to a point in which you wanted to transition out of that business, but you also wanted to keep it alive, right? Like Brawl for a Cause has people that are vested and interested in making sure it's successful over a longer period in time. Wellfest is has people vested and interested in making it be successful for other people for a long time, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be there. So tell me about like, how do you make the decision? It sounds like it's probably based on the alignment of what your, your goals are, but have you ever been introspective to the point in which you're like, am I the person that gets it from A to B and then someone else takes it from C to Z, right? Like, like is, is that is that part of the thought process when you go into starting something or like, how do you think about that? And and the lens that I look at it through, at it through is, is a book by Peter Thiel called Zero to One. Yeah. So what I'm obsessed with, what I want to focus on is, is taking something from zero to one is, 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 is the act of creation. Mm-hmm. And then one to X is, is more like MBA territory. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's more, uh, you know, o- operators, it's super important. Thank God for those people. Yeah. Uh, because I, people like me, me and you really need them. Yeah. Um, the reason why I've even brought up a couple other businesses that, that I'm either still involved with in some capacity or, or have stepped back from. Um, but it's because I'm, I'm good at the, the spark part. I'm good at the lift part. Uh, I'm, I'm better at, at, at jumping in for high leverage, short time input, you know, sessions or, or making the most out of opportunities when they come up. I, I think the way, the way to find that out about yourself is, is again, exercising that, that self-awareness muscle. For me, it's journaling and meditation. 
I, I've been journaling since I was a teenager. Uh, it, it's a it's a daily and at worst weekly habit. I, I've had a regular meditation practice since yoga teacher training uh, in, in 2019. Between those two, you know, journaling helps me be honest with myself. Like the the page is like a mirror. You know, I I, I know when I'm lying to myself. I know when yeah. I'm not happy. I know when there's something off uh, because I I can see it. I and and I have to kind of face it. And meditation is a diagnostic tool on what to journal about. If I can't stay focused on some sort of samadha, some sort of, of focal point like breath or, or or counting or flame or whatever, then whatever my brain is jumping towards is what I need to journal about. And between those two things, I generally know it's like, okay, I'm really hating my day-to-day in this business. I need to do something about it. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep you know, being disrupted when I meditate and and keep seeing the same things on my page when I journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's a stuck place to be. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, you, you brought up goals. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty anti-goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think goals are important for businesses, but I, at least for me, they're, they're somewhat limiting uh, in, in terms of like how I think about what I want to do and where I want to go. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like by focusing too much on one thing, you can lose uh, an open field of, of vision of what could be better aligned or, or, or better suited for you as, as you go. It's, it's more of a, like a waterfall versus an agile yeah. method for, for progress and both work. Some people love goals and get a ton done because of goals. Uh, just like some people love scaling businesses and mm-hmm. I love starting businesses. It's just a, a, a different, no, neither's better. Uh, but but some can be you know, one or the other can be better for you. Yeah. Um, constantly attuning self awareness, and uh, and for me being being open and agile and resilient and and able to to shift and adapt according to new new variables or new information is when I'm best and what's led me to this point in in my life. Yeah, I, I think people don't realize as much. Like you juxtaposed it with like a spark versus somebody that's like an MBA person. And and I always think of it versus just like you said, spark or start, but also someone that is then aware or able to do the enterprise work or the collaborative work of a very small, let's say, sliver of the business, but really, really focus on that. And I have definitely throughout my career been really focused on being the person that took the risk at the beginning. Uh, I, I think that most of the people that are willing to do those kind of enterprisey MBA style things are not people that are willing to take the risk of starting the thing. The it has to be de-risked for them at that point, and it's probably pattern matched our education patterns. Like for instance, I dropped out of college. I taught myself software. Right. Most of the people that I know that are at enterprise businesses had computer science degrees, software engineering degrees, and they they really want to exercise that muscle in a very you know specific way versus I want to be very broad in the way that I exercise that muscle, right? How do I connect these things across many different planes to create a solution or a problem-solving mechanic that then enables other people to be successful through that software? And then once it gets to a point, it's like, do I really want to participate in this? The only way that I've ever found personal gratification in the furthered participation is when the mission is very, very ingrained in the process or the 
the mission is very ingrained in what I feel is important to actually execute and make sure that this business is going to move forward through that mission. And so as long as I'm still feeling like I'm on mission with the business, I still want to be with that business. As soon as the mission begins to change to maybe the mission changes to revenue generation versus serving the user in a specific way, or maybe the mission changes to fundraising versus actually really working on the core problem that the users, you know, kind of like pair it back to you at a high frequency. Those are the moments in which I'm like, oh, I don't know if I really want to be a part of this. I'm really about the mission. I'm not as much about whether we're going to make it some venture back thing or whether it's going to be, you know, generate all the revenue in the world for us. I really want to see someone use an object that I create and see the aha moment in their eyes. Like that's the thing that drives me a lot of times. So I can appreciate that like most people don't realize especially when starting a business, that there are people for a time and a place in a business. And then there are other people for the next stage, or there are other people for the final stages, right? One person that you mentioned a minute ago was Kyle Porter at uh, SalesLoft. And just, I mean, I think this has recently happened. They just sold their business to Vista or, you know, went through the private equity world and you know, we'll see what ends up happening with them for, you know, billions of dollars. There are some people that are able to maintain a through line with those businesses, right? And I think it has to be, and I, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think it has to be, they have a ingrained idea of what the mission is for that business. And until that mission is, is complete, they just don't want to exit that thing, right? There's also people that are just great at doing that, you know, beginning to end type stuff. I mean, you know, you got your, your Jack Dorsey, Peter Thiel's, Elon Musk's of the world, and, you know, even Kyle for that matter, is just really understands that through line of, of the business. Well, we're getting close to the end here. Uh, I wanted to ask you just some general questions about, you know, who you are, what you do, what you love, and see if that's helpful to the people that uh, we're, we're talking to with this podcast. And so tell me about what your favorite documentary is. Uh, favorite documentary is by Rook or Left Hook. Uh, and it's, a, it's a documentary on the founding of the sport of chess boxing. It takes it from uh, ideation, which it was, it was inspired by art. There's a comic book artist named Enki Belial that portrayed a, a protagonist in the 90s taking on his enemies on a chessboard of life but but physically conquering them and uh, and that inspired a, a Dutchman and the founder of our sport Ipe Rumping uh to create the the first rule set and participate in the first exhibition in 2003 and uh and and the documentary kind of picks up there between these two figures Ipe and then this guy from London Tom Woolgar who uh who have differing opinions on how to grow the sport and uh, and it's this this yin and yang because if they had figured out how to work together uh it would have been interesting to see what what they could have accomplished and uh the splinter that happened um has made the sport what it is today which is interesting because it is two antithetical things chess and boxing and it was uh you know it, it has gotten to this point because of two antithetical people Ipe and Tim and uh, and it was created by a, a, a Canadian filmmaker uh, named David Bitten, and uh, he's a close friend, and uh, and something I've I've uh, I've streamed on my Twitch channel. We have watch parties for it and stuff to help uh, the the sport of chess boxing get out there more. So it's by Rook or Left Hook. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it for some reason immediately uh, popped up that scene in my mind on Harry Potter where they're. <laughs> 
they're they're riding the uh, chess pieces and battling them and everything. So, and I also find it really interesting that there's always this in sports and the creation of uh, these these types of entities. There's always these two opposing things. There was this in the UFC with Dana White, the Fratellis, and whoever the guy was that started the actual brand at UFC. Right? There were two people at the same time or at similar times trying to go at this same thing and had different methodologies or edicts that they were going towards that actually led them to uh, either compromise or defeat one or the other, right? But without a doubt, both of them assimilate a bit of each other during the process, right? I've always found that to be a beautiful part of, you know, building something is that there's always something you're battling against. There's always something that is in opposition to the thing that you're doing, uh, I, I would say that if there isn't something in opposition to the thing you're doing, then you probably aren't doing something of any value or any impact. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong in that. I, I'd be, I'd be, I'd love to be proven wrong. Tell me about like what your favorite business book is. Like that's one we always, you know, come across as like something that will help other people, you know, get past a difficult issue or learn something that you wish you would have learned earlier? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I brought up zero to one already. Yeah. That's kind of my startup Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to be uh, someone that that is doing that that zero to one creation component in in business building or value creation, uh, I think it's a great book to, to start with because having Peter Thiel's voice in your head when you're thinking through problems or assessing what opportunity to take either as a founder or investor, uh, I, I think it's, it's invaluable knowledge to, to, to intake. And it's, it's relatively short, you know, it's, it's an easy yeah. one to get through. So, yeah, I was, I've always been a, a hard thing about hard things guy. I think both of those books exhibit what it takes to actually get something off of the ground. Hard thing about hard things goes into some of the people are the most important part of building a business. Like the idea is not as important. The technology is not as important. It's the human beings executing on the day-to-day -day tasks that, that leads you to the accumulation of events of positive outcomes that will eventually, you know, get you to where you want to go. And I've always liked the zero to one of the world. And, you know, the Peter Thiel voice is always fun as well. I, yeah, I mean, you bring up another great with Ben Horowitz. Our, our first client for Fight and Flow was A16Z. Oh, really? Yeah, my, my ex-girlfriend cool. is a partner at uh, at A16Z. So that was, oh. they needed uh, remote fitness options during the pandemic. And yeah. uh, they were the first ones to sign up for a weekly. Well, that's funny because like when I was doing Truth Social, they were really interested in it because they thought the free speech you know world was going crazy. And Andreessen, Paul and uh, Mark Andreessen from uh, Andreessen Horwood talks a lot about the concept of the current thing, right? And in, in and during that time, he was really talking about what like if you continue to put your faith in the current thing then you're really going to have trouble reconciling the next thing or the next current thing, right? I appreciate some of these business people becoming somewhat philosophers, except some of them are really, really bad at it. So hopefully we consolidate around the right voices. Okay, so last question. Uh, tell me uh, where people can find you. What's the thing you want people to take away from this? And where do you want them to you know, contact you at? Yeah, so I'm at Moving with Matt uh, with one T everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube. Um, I stream, live stream three to five times a week uh, on Twitch. That's my main uh, microphone and, and outlet these days. But uploading chess, 
fitness commentary kind of content on YouTube, mostly from the live streams. You know, if, if you're interested in martial arts, yoga, chess, boxing, mindfulness, movement, uh, would, would love to hear from you. Just, you know, moving with Matt on, on everything. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's one of those, these are one of those conversations that I think we could go on for like a couple of hours, unpacking all of the things that like you've done, you know, all of the countries you've been to, all of the experiences that you've had, general entrepreneurial journey that has not taken that straight line, but you know, pattern matches to a lot of the things that I've done throughout my life, except for I haven't been to 30 or 40 countries, which is a pretty cool thing. But I, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Like always, I, I really appreciate everybody that's uh, listening in and tuning in to uh, the Everyday Hustle podcast. I hope you like the name because, you know, we're really still testing this. The Everyday Hustle podcast is really built for the earliest stage of trying to figure out what you want to do with your side hustle and turning it into an actual business. So I hope you found value on this. And if you do, please make sure you uh, smash the like buttons and do all of those fun, fun things that everybody asked you to do. Uh, but I hope everybody has an absolutely fantastic day and I will talk to y'all later. See you. Keep hustling. hustling.